0: Opening a Roth IRA for your child, hey everyone, Adam Bergman here, tax attorney and founder of IRA Financial. On today's Adam Talks, I'm going to be chatting about what you need to consider if you want to open a Roth IRA for your child. This is a fun topic. Uh, I've done this probably every year uh, for the last several years, either via podcast, video, blog, um, because I get this question a lot right, from friends, family, um, and, and clients, saying, hey, I have a child, business situation. What do you think, Adam? Should I open a Roth IRA? So what I want to do on today's Adam Talks podcast is kind of go through some case law, go through some of the rules, talk about some of the tax filing requirements, and then kind of put it all together. So let me just set the agenda. The first thing we're going to talk about is why. Right. Why would you want to open a Roth IRA if you're a kid? Pretty simple, self-explanatory. And then second, we're going to talk about some of the case law, um, age, bona fide service, the reasonableness of the compensation. Um, talk about potentially who should be paying that child, and then ultimately, should you do it? Level of risk, and then what are some of the filing requirements for you and your child if you if your child earns some competition so number one why do you want to do a Roth why is it super important to try to get a child into a Roth IRA uh well pretty simple right Roth IRA is an after tax account so that means that if uh, you don't get a tax deduction for making a contribution to uh, a Roth IRA but so long as you're over fifty nine and a half and the Roth's been open at least five years, everything is tax free So everything you pull out of the Roth IRA is tax half, Fifty nine and a half, five years. Pre-tax IRA, you do get a tax deduction for making that contribution. The most you could put into an IRA, a traditional Roth in 2023, sixty five hundred bucks or seventy five hundred bucks if you're over 50. Yes, you need to have compensation for services to make a contribution. Spouses can piggyback off each other. Kids cannot. So the kid actually needs compensation what's compensation for services it's 1099 w2 business income it's not interest dividends royalties rental income capital gains social security disability um gifts it's not um, something that's not compensation okay a hobby for example so now we understand the roth we talked about what are some of the requirements, compensation. Let's now play around with some examples. So why why is it so important to start early? So let's say someone starts at 14 and they just put in $1,500 a year from 14 to 72. So even though they're gonna make more money when they're 25, 45, 65, let's just assume they just go 1500 bucks all the way from 14 years old to 72, assuming an 8% rate of return, which is below historically what the S&P 500 has returned over the last 100 plus years. $87,000 $87,000 of contribution will turn into 1.7 million when they reach 72. Now, obviously inflation, time value of money, 1.7 million will not be worth 1.7 million today, but it's still going to be a lot of money. Let's say instead of 14, they started at 12, same numbers, just to show you what's going to happen to 2.03 million, right? So they only made another $3,000 of contributions, but they have, an extra three or four hundred thousand dollars in value because of the time value of money. Let's say instead of twelve, they started at eleven. Same eight percent, two point one nine four. So almost another two hundred thousand dollars by making a fifteen hundred dollar contribution. See, the idea is the earlier you start, the more wealth you're going to have. Instead of an eight percent, let's say you were able to get a nine percent rate of return, right? Three point four six seven, right? So contributions matter, but also your rate of return matters as well instead of nine percent let's say you only get a seven percent okay you're still talking 1.4 million okay so it's still real money so you can see why people are climbing to do roth iras for their kid so let's talk about the rules i'm going to start with some parameters and then we're going to go into case law and explain what they are here are the parameters to consider number one there needs to be a bona fide service okay Paying your kid to wake up every morning and go to school is not a bona fide service. Paying your kid to do their homework is not a bona fide service. Okay, But if you have a business and your business is paying your kid to do inventory checks or build a website or to do some t-shirt modeling or to do uh, sweeping up the factory floor or to serve people at the restaurant, that is bona fide. If your neighbor or your friend or your cousin or your aunt or uncle pays your child to do tutoring or basketball coach or uh, swim coach or whatever the case may be, that is more bonafide. The issue is you want to have some type of employer-employee relationship and having yourself directly paying a child without a business-employee relationship is problematic. So your business can pay your child, for a bona fide service assuming it's a reasonable amount of compensation but you personally cannot pay your kid because it's not in the business context but a non-parent could pay a child for a service without a business i.e you know math tutoring that is okay okay so the issue is when the parent pays the child without any employer-employee relationship when there's no business if you don't have a parent-child payment environment then you have more flexibility because you a neighbor, for example, does not need to have a business, a restaurant to pay the child. The neighbor can pay the child for babysitting or basketball coaching. OK, so that's the thing to keep in mind when it's a parent child. You want to have a business paying a child. Obviously, it needs to be bona fide service, reasonable compensation It's to non-parent or flexibility. You can pay for non Business type services, but still needs to be bona fide employment, i.e., babysitting or you know basketball coach. So let's go through some um, case law, um, some revenue rulings. These, some of these are old um, because people have been trying to do this for a long time. In um, and, and some of these cases, um, they're actually trying to do this to get a deduction. It's really not about the Roth IRA because some of these cases are before the Roth. For example, this revenue ruling from 1972 and. The question was whether wages paid by a father to a child for personal services rendered as a bona fide employee was deductible. And the IRS said, where well, the facts show that the actual services are rendered by a taxpayer's child as a bona fide employee in the operation of the taxpayer's business, and that the compensation paid for such services is reasonable and constitutes an ordinary and necessary expense of carrying on such business, such wage payments are deductible as a business expense. And they're deductible. That means they're bona fide, and the child could take it in to income so in this ruling the idea is the wages needs to be re- reasonable and there needs to be a bona fide employer employee relationship this next case is lorraine tucker it's a tax court memo case from 1979 and this tax court um there is a fact pattern where lorraine tucker she um in 1972 she operated a grocery store and she slept in the building in the back of it. And she had her son uh, assist in the business. Okay. And the son worked before 7-Eleven. So it had some experience. Um, and the issue is whether the son was able to work and whether the compensation page was deductible. So the son did like clerk stuff, at groceries, things like that. Um, and the tax court held that it was real um, ordinary services and thus the compensation was deductible. This next case, Anthony Formansky was a tax court case from 1974. This guy was a doctor, a medicine specializing in neurology. He had an office in California and he basically paid his kid to do, um, you know, certain types of research, repairing equipment, secretarial work, not obviously being a doctor. <laughs> and, um, The doctor claimed a deduction for the kid. The IRS disagreed, and basically, what the court said is that this: the doctor admits that his child were not qualified to practice medicine. No kidding, uh, and that they performed services in connection with answering phones that could not ordinarily be performed by high school or college age children of similar intelligence, similar instruction by their father. uh, I'm sorry, they could be performed by similar. Uh, Age child. Uh, they, the, the doctor failed to prove what hours and what days they worked, and if they actually performed work. There's no indication in such record that services were required specific time, or or that they were, were limited by their hours. So the issue is did they actually do this work? And they were given no information on um, any proof that there was any of the expenses occurred. So, but the court did allow for the deduction for secretarial services. Um, performed by the spouse, but not the child. Why? In this case, even though the services were services that could be performed by a child, there wasn't proof. There was like no email address, clearly. No clock in, clock out. They couldn't prove that the kids were actually in the office answering the phone. So good example, good tip. If you are going to hire a child in a business, get them an email or get her an email, right? Proof, check. have them clock in or clock out have a computer so they can show whether they're logging in or logging out have proof that they're actually doing the work um that's going to help another revenue ruling 73 393 this ruling reasonable wages paid by father to his child for services rendered in an employee's trade or business are deductible even though the child used the wages uh for part of his own support uh they said the meals weren't deductible this next case um tax court case nathaniel denman Um, The court held that expenses um, for uh, reasonable amounts paid to the minor children for performing light duties relating to the engineer's individual businesses are deductible. Okay, so during 1957 and 1960, the sons either individually or collectively formed various cash, ran errands, provided various services, washing windows, screen, shoveling snow, moving grass, things like that. the business which assigns a performed performing these services um, was a uh, basic and experimental physics um so there was some hard labor there um and the um plaintiff contends that amounts paid by the company for the minor children were services rendered as part-time office boys and they were ordinary and necessary for the business and they were reasonable and the court agreed okay so The key is you got to actually perform the service. They need to be services that a child at that age would actually do. The compensation needs to be reasonable. And uh, there obviously needs to be some type of employer employee relationship. Right. In all these examples, there's actually a business paying the kids. It's not dad paying the kid to go to school. Right. There's a business paying the kids to sweep the floors or shovel snow or order, deliver groceries. Right. You need to have a business. Um, this case is interesting, LRV Commissioner. It's a 1977 case. Uh, this guy was a trailer park owner, um, and he paid his kids. Um, they they did stuff around the trailer park. They were uh, 12, 11, and 7. Um, so this is an interesting case. They performed a variety of services for their parents' business um, after school, weekends, during the summer vacations. Uh, they were necessary for the operation of the business could not have been performed by the existing staff. That's another uh, important factor. Are, are the things you're paying your kids, could someone else in the business do it? Or this is really a, a, a real job, right? Real services are being performed. It's not paying to answer the phone when you have you know, six receptionists that could do it, but and, and the phone doesn't ring. Uh, at the various mobile parks, children were assigned a variety of responsibility, including maintenance, swimming pool, landscaping, park grounds, um, and did all kinds of work. Uh, and the court held that whether the amounts paid as compensation are reasonable and represent payments purely for services or questions of fact to resolve the basis of all the surrounding facts and circumstances. The burden of proofs, of course, on the taxpayer. And then the court presented an interesting position on the age of the children. The court said our findings differ somewhat from the amounts deducted by the petitioner for two reasons. First, we think that reasonable value of John's service must reflect the age Differential between him and his brother and sister. John was seven, Michael and Patty were 12 and 11. Experience teaches that 11 and 12 year old children can generally handle greater responsibility and perform greater service than a seven year old. Moreover, it uh, was testified the, the practice to promote youngsters as they demonstrated their aptitude, acquired experience, developing greater responsibility. Second, we think that there should be some relationship between the reasonable value of the child's children's service over the three year period. After all, the record does not indicate that the children rendered significantly greater services uh, over this time. So in a nutshell, here are some things to consider. The wages paid by the parents to child must be for actual rendered services. If it's not in a business, I would suggest not paying it from a parent to child. If it's in a business, it needs to be reasonable. It needs to actually be service that's bona fide, that's performed, that cannot be performed by a person that's already employed. The age matters, right? What you pay a fifteen-year-old is going to be different than what you pay a six-year-old, or, or a three-year-old, or a twelve-year-old. Okay, so age matters. Compensation matters based off service performed and age. Seven-year-old can't perform the same work as a sixteen-year-old and shouldn't be paid the same. Um, it's up to the parents or the business to justify the compensation. Okay, so what does this all mean? It means there's no hard black or white line, okay? It's a lot of gray, as the case says, and as all these rulings and and case law suggest, facts and circumstances matter, okay? What's the service performed? What's the compensation, the age of the kids? What are they doing? Can you prove that they're actually doing the work? So can you pay potentially a four-year-old to do work? Yeah, I mean, I have a neighbor, their their child is a child model for uh, baby products, uh, another f- friend is in the baby business, and their kids do modeling. Another kid models for Ralph Lauren. It's possible, okay. But if you don't have those situations, and you have a small business, you know, paying a four-year-old kid and, and saying they're answering the phone or they're doing emails or marketing is super risky. And uh, what happens, right? And what happens if you if you you lie and they get caught? Well, basically. It, there's an excise tax, right? Because you contribute to a Roth that you didn't have income for. So you're, you're talking about a six percent excise tax, um, maybe some penalties, but definitely an excise tax. You got to pull everything out and potentially pay tax on any of the earnings that the Roth generated. So it's it's not a life or death thing. You're not going to jail. It's, it's not forty percent tax. There's an excise tax. So, but at the same time, you know, you don't want to push the envelope too far. Um, but if there's bona fide services, real compensation, you can prove that the kid's doing the work. If you have a business, even better. Or if it's a non-parent paying the kid, have proof, right? You want to have some records of the compensation. Now, electronically, whether it's Venmo, Zelle, um, th- Bitcoin, right? There, there's proof of money being transferred. But it'd be nice to have some um, proof that the service was performed, too. Um, I'm not saying a kid needs to invoice their neighbor for um, basketball coach or um, to provide um, math tutoring. Um, why? Because a lot of times the, the kids don't they don't report the income. Right. There's a lot of times where kids, minors uh, will do some basketball coaching or tutoring or consulting for a neighbor and they just pocket the money and spend it. That's cool. But you can't put it in a Roth IRA if you don't report it. So how do you report income? How does a kid report income? So basically, the kid, in most cases, if it's earned income over $1,150, well, let me start from here. A dependent child, so anyone who child that that lives with you, and they earn more than $12,950, they need to file their own tax return. Okay, obviously, earned income includes wages and tips. If a kid, dependent child receives more than $1,150 in investment income, okay, they have to file uh, a tax return. If the investment income only is of interest dividends, they can just file an 8814 and you can attach it to their tax return. So the $12,950 is they would file their own tax return. They have above that. If they have under that, okay, you can report their income on your return. And if the kid has $1,150 of investment income. They would need to file their own return. But if it's only interest and dividends, they can just file an 8814 and put on your return. Okay, so the 12,950 is the number. Most kids are going to earn less than 12,950 bucks. For Roth IRA purposes, it's really 6,500 bucks, right? That's the golden ticket. You want to have at least that amount so you can put in a Roth. Okay, and it's just about reporting it. So if there's a kid doing work around the neighborhood for friends or small businesses. You actually may want to have them report the income. Yes, you're going to have to pay some tax on it. Uh, They can do a pre-tax IRA, but they can also do a Roth. And based off the examples I mentioned, having a Roth IRA is super advantageous, especially if you can start at a super young age, right? Whether 12, 14, 15, 18 matters. Every contribution at that age has enormous six-figure benefits as you get older. So let's put it all together. Um, I can't tell you if you can open a, a Roth IRA for your kid. I know that's the lawyer answering me, but it's the truth. It's facts and circumstances specific. But remember these things. Number one, it helps if you have a employer-employer relationship. If you have a business, pay your child. If you're just paying your kid from a parent to child, I would not do it. Too risky. Have a neighbor, a non-family member, non-dependent, pay your child. doesn't have to have an employer-employer relationship or business paying the kid. It could be you know, babysitting, things like that. Um, If you are paying a child, whether parents' companies paying the kid or a non-parent paying the kid, again, bona fide, real stuff, right? You're not paying the kid to do nothing. Basic compensation, not paying the kid $75 an hour to do, you know, basketball coach. Um, Try to have some evidence that the work was done. So if the kid's working for you, get him an email, get her an email, um, proof that the kid's doing something um have some work product right on their computer um something that shows that they're actually doing something if you get audited they can clock in clock in if not just prove that they've done something um and then ultimately um you want to make sure that this this work was done there was real bona fide services uh compensation was reasonable uh no one else you know was doing the same work as a child um and and have evidence and if you can do all that then Yeah, feel comfortable. You can do a Roth IRA. And, um, you know, the downside is if you get um, in a situation where the IRS doesn't believe you and questions the Roth IRA, you're you're dealing with excise tax, which isn't horrible, potentially some tax and penalties. Generally, it doesn't happen. Why? Uh, IRS, if you looked at all these revenue rulings and cases, what do they all have in common? They're all fighting over deductions. IRS doesn't like fighting over Roths. Why? It's after tax not going to care the kids not taking the money out for 50 years they're not going to fight you on it generally they could they're not generally going to. they're going to fight you on deductions why because it lowers tax revenue and that impacts the amount of tax they get in their pocket and they can spend so it's very rare that you're going to have the irs uh you know go after Roth IRA contributions now if it's totally egregious and um, just really um clown like like you're paying a two-year-old kid to be the CEO of your business 100k like they're not stupid but as long as you have some facts you know kid doing something you can prove they're doing something obviously the older they are easier just to prove it's easier to show that a 14-year-old is doing something than a two-year-old right it's common sense you don't need to pay the kid $75,000 to um you know just you know checks of inventory or deliver groceries, like be smart about it. You really just want to get to that $6,500 number. That to me is the key. Um, smart about it. Uh, have facts. Um, just think about it from their perspective. The good news is they're just not going to attack these types of transactions often because they're not taxed up. Um, so Roths are actually safer than, than pre-tax IRAs, which can you know reduce taxable income. So uh, that's it. Hope you guys enjoyed today's uh, podcast um, for watching on YouTube. Appreciate it. Uh, give it a, a like if you don't mind um, or subscribe. Otherwise, um, it's an important topic. I try to do this every year. Um, I like doing it. I, I've, I've had Roth IRAs for my kids. Uh, I haven't done it every year, right? Some of you just can't do it. Um, you have until April fifteenth, twenty 2023 for the 22 tax years. So you still have time if you're watching this before April 15th. Um, it's something you should think about. Get some extra cash line around. Yeah, give it a shot. Um, as my examples showed, um, six to seven figures for your kids when they're older. And it could be two to three million bucks if, if you if you do it right. The last thing I'll leave you is let's say you do this. And okay, this will blow you away. Let's say we do 60. Let's just say, you know what? Let's just say 5,500. 5, let's just keep it conservative. 5,500 a year from 15 years old to 72, assuming an 8% rate of return. Okay. 5. Point, almost 5.9 million dollars. Okay, let's say instead of 15, started at 12. 7.4 million. Okay, even in 60 years, 7.4 7. million will be money. I don't, it's not going to be 7.4 million, but it'll still be worth a few million bucks based off time value of money. And it's free money, right? We're talking about 5,500 contributions a year based off 8% rate of return. If you can juice it up to 9% rate of return, 11.6 million. So contributions and returns matter. $330,000 in contributions from 12 to 72, 5,500 bucks turns into 11.6 million. There you go. I'm going to leave it at that. Lumber's don't lie. Um, don't trust me. Albert Einstein coin compound returns the eighth wonder of the world. How do you do it? Do it in a Roth. You start early, trust the process, keep your good habits. You can have massive, massive tax-free wealth for your kid just by helping them out at a young age. So, and you also teach them good lessons good habits so um that's it have a wonderful wonderful day thanks for listening thanks for watching i uh, really appreciate it thanks for all the support have a great week talk to everyone again uh next Wednesday be well